Good morning, Cowboy Junction. It is so good to see your faces. And look at you guys getting out in that whole snowflake thing that we had this morning. I heard there was a flake is all that we had so far, but um, I'm so glad that you guys are here on a special Sunday. My name's CG. I'm not the senior pastor at Cowboy Junction. That would be Pastor Ty. I'm the generation's pastor here. Pastor Ty and Heather are away celebrating their second son, their youngest son, Hudson Bean's 18th birthday. And I just have to say real quick, he's not here. They're not here for me to say it in front of them, but I just want y'all to know, I think a whole lot of Hudson Bean. He is a special guy who has a huge calling on his life. Um, if you, He helps me in kids' church. He does some incredible things, and I am so glad that God made Hudson Bean, and I'm grateful that they have the opportunity to get away and celebrate him this weekend, and that I have the honor and the privilege of getting to speak here today. And that's what this, this is always an honor. It's always a privilege. And it's always a little nerve-wracking, if I'm real honest. Pastor Ty told the crowd last week that he said um, that CG was really nervous to speak on Super Bowl Sunday, and he kind of made it to be about like football, but that's not really the whole truth. I am always nervous to speak usually, but it has a lot to do with one. To share God's word is a really big deal, and I want to do it right, and I want to make sure that I, you know, like make God proud, right? Like, I, I don't want to mess that up. It's a big deal. So that kind of makes me nervous. But on top of that, I believe with all my heart that Pastor Ty and Pastor Heather are some of the greatest pastors on the face of the earth. And um, Pastor Ty has been killing it in this You'll Be Glad You Did series and just all the things. And to stand up here after listening to him week after week after week, um, it's kind of big shoes to fill. So I would be lying to you if I told you that I wasn't a little nervous about all of that. Um, but I know that God's going to give me what I need to, to speak today. And um, I hope that you came ready to listen and receive because it is Super Bowl weekend. And woohoo, we got one excited fan. Um, and I know you may be thinking, great, this is awesome. Super Bowl Sunday and the female kids church pastor is speaking to us. This is awesome. But I don't want y'all to worry. Don't, don't, don't freak out. Um, I sat down this week with Brady Bean, also Pastor Ty and Heather's son, our creative director at Cowboy Junction. He's the football expert around here. And I just, just to brush up on my football facts a little bit to make sure that you guys know that y'all are cool, okay? It's all gonna be okay. I wanna show you a little bit of how that conversation went. I love football. Who's your favorite player? I like them all. I like Aaron Roberts. Aaron Rodgers. Never heard of him. He was the quarterback for the Jets. So is Aaron Roberts. He tore his Achilles. So did Aaron Roberts. Who else do you like? I like Patrick McCombs. Mahomes. He my homie too. I like TJ what? Walk. What? Walk. Whatever. I like Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts. He's hurt. What happened to him? No, he's not hurt. So you lied. That's his name. Jalen Hurts. Hurts. So he is hurt. I'm sorry I even asked this question. I also like Christopher McCaffrey. Christian. Really? Me too. I turned my life over to the Lord back in like 2015. So see, y'all are gonna be fine, it's cool. And on top of that, I even know that when you score a goal in football, it's called a home run. So we're good, all right? <laughs> I hope y'all know I'm kidding. Um, I do wanna know though, who are you cheering for today? Let me see, where are my Chiefs fans at? I am not sure that y'all are that excited. What about the 49ers? All right, cool, cool. Swifties? Uh, there's a few of you in here. I knew there would be some. Uh, and then how about like me? You're just excited to hear Reba sing the national anthem? Yes, yes, so cool. Well, on that note, we should probably pray. Let's do that. 
Lord, we love you. Thank you for today. It is always a big deal that we get to wake up and then serve you another day to get to come into this place, into your house and serve you freely, to worship you freely. God, it's a big deal. Help us to not ever take it for granted. And today, God, we just give you this time. Thank you for meeting us right here. Holy Spirit, would you speak to our hearts? Would you give us ears to receive, ears to hear and a heart to receive what you have for us today? I pray you would speak through me, through this microphone, that it wouldn't be my words, but it would be yours. May every word that comes out of my mouth be from you and not from me, God. And we just give you this time. We love you. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. 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 All right. Well, today is the big game, right? The Super Bowl, the big game, the game that gets talked about all year long, even when teams aren't playing, they're talking about who's going to make the Super Bowl and what people need to get drafted to make the Super Bowl and all the things. It's talked about all, all year long leading up until this game, this day. And so much goes into it, whether it's the players, the teams, the coaches, the city that hosts the Super Bowl, the venue, um, all the people that it takes to put on an event like that. Can you imagine all the things? And then the, fan, the fans that are attending the game, that go into all that it takes to get there and do the stuff to be at the venue. And then the production. I cannot imagine what it takes to be part of the production team that puts on the Super Bowl. Like, it's a really big deal. And then, of course, there's the commercials, everybody's favorite part, right? All of that that goes into it, the money that it takes and the money that goes into this event. And then there's us fans at home that are getting ready with the wings and the nachos and buying out all the avocados in town and getting ready for all the things. In 2023, they said over 115 million people watched the Super Bowl that they knew of. And they said it was probably closer to 200 million because most people watch it in groups. That's a lot of people invested in this one day, in this one game. And this year, of course, we can't forget the Swifties and what they do to be ready for the game. I'm not sure what that is, but all of this for this game, for a trophy, which has me thinking about so much more than the Super Bowl, has me thinking about so much more than football. We know that today is not about football, but we also, as Christ followers, are in the big game. We are in the race. We are running a race and we got to know how to do it and do it to the best of our ability. And I hope that today kind of serves as that kind of a reminder, a pump up for all of us on what it looks like to live this out as we run our race, as we're a part of the big game as a follower of Jesus. Scripture tells us about running a race. There's, it's mentioned several times throughout scripture, but I'm going to read a few of them to you. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24 through 27, it says, do you not know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one receives the prize. So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable so do not run aimlessly. Do not box as one beating the air. But I discipline my body and I keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. And then in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, 
Let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And then the last one we're going to read today is 2 Timothy 4, 7. It says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race and I have kept the faith. So for those of us who are Jesus followers, and I hope that you are, we are running a race. This is a big game that's so much more than a game. So what should it look like? For us to run this race? What does it look like for us to live this one life that God gave us and give him our best? Well, first, I think we got to talk about where we're sitting for this game, where we're at. We should be running it, right? We should be playing in it. But if you go to a game, there's two different people that you're going to see. You're going to see fans and you're going to see the players. And there's a big difference on how they participate in a game. And I want to compare a little bit of that with you today. So there's fans and there's players. We're going to call them followers because that's what we are, followers of Jesus. And so the first one is fans observe, but followers participate. I think you can probably come up with a lot of these probably on your own, just knowing different football fans or fans in general and what the difference looks like. But if fans observe and followers participate, the way this may look like in church, there's a lot of ways, but one way it may look like is for us to be people who come, we attend church, we listen to Pastor Ty, we take notes, and it's like, go get them, Pastor Ty. You keep telling people about Jesus. You're doing a great job. Keep up the good work, man. You got this. Versus knowing and remembering that the same power that lives in Pastor Ty, because the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us. So the same power that lives in him is the same power that lives in us, which is the same power that's going to allow us to also be part of telling people the good news about Jesus. It's not all up to Pastor Ty. I'm all about telling him he's doing a good job. But week two have a part to play in participating in telling people the good news about Jesus. As a follower of Jesus, we got to participate. Fans admire, but followers are devoted. Fans do what's convenient or comfortable. Followers sacrifice and invest. We were never promised that this life was going to be easy and comfortable, but we all prefer comfortable or maybe just me. I like the convenient idea. I like the comfortable idea, but as a follower of Jesus, you can know for certain that it's going to require sacrifice and it's going to require investment as a follower of Jesus. And then fans go for fun, but followers go because it's a priority. This one hits a little close to home for me. It's kind of a big one um, because I have a five-year-old and I'm also the kids' church pastor at Calvary Junction. And there's a lot of times that he'll tell me that he doesn't want to go to church because he has more fun at home. And I'm like, kid, listen, I'm the kids' church pastor. Get it together. You're going to go to church, you know. And um, so I have to wrestle with this a lot because fun is a big deal to me. And I want to have fun. I want, and serving Jesus is fun. 
But I think we get it mixed up sometimes when we think fun or entertainment is the goal. Or fun or entertainment is why we do the thing that we're doing. And so I've been teaching him and I've been teaching the kids in kids church that I want you to come to kids church and I want us to have fun. We're going to have fun. But that's not why we come. We come because we put God first in our life. We make God a priority. We want to serve him with all of our heart and we want to worship and we want to learn how we can be the people that God's called us to be. And coming to church is one of the ways that we can do that. So if you don't have fun, I'm sorry, I want you to, but that's not why you're here. And that's not why you're coming. And that's not why we're going to follow Jesus. And then fans know about him, but followers know him. The players, the followers, they have an all access pass. And we, as followers of Jesus, have an all-access pass to our Father in heaven. And that's pretty awesome. But also, as followers, we want to be people who say, God, you can have an all-access pass to me too. To every nook and cranny in my heart, you can be there. I'm giving you, I'm giving you permission to come and take over. You have an all-access pass to me. So I don't know about you, but I don't want to just be a fan. I don't want to sit in the bleachers. I want to be a fully devoted, participating follower of Jesus. Amen? Yes. You with me? So what does that look like? I'm going to invite you to turn to Romans chapter 12. If you brought your Bibles today, turn to Romans chapter 12. And we are going to read the whole chapter of Romans 12 today. The, the game's not till this afternoon. We have plenty of time. All right? You're going to be fine. Here at Junction Christian Academy at our school, um, our fifth grade class, we call them the frogs. Every year, the frogs memorize Romans chapter 12. And I think it's super awesome that they do that. I love it. It's so cool. But I also think that if they can memorize it, we can read it today, okay? So in Romans, Paul wrote Romans to the believers in Rome. And the first 11 chapters in Romans, before we get to chapter 12, the first 11 chapters, Paul talks about what we believe as Christ followers, the foundation of our faith, the, the foundational truths that we believe. He talks about things like all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. He talks about how the wages of sin are death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. He talks about how Jesus came he lived, he died, and he rose again to pay for our sins. He talks about how we're made right with God through Christ. He talks about because of Jesus, we have this new life and that we can be in relationship with God. That's all chapters 1 through 11 in a nutshell, okay? That's all wrapped up in there. And then we get to chapter 12. And starting in chapter 12, Paul begins to talk about how to live it out because of all these things. Therefore, now this is how you live. Now this is how you behave. This is our practical guidelines as a believer in Christ Jesus on how it looks like to be fully devoted, how to be a follower and not a fan is right here wrapped up in Romans chapter 12. And so that's where we're going to pick up today. And I'm just going to tell you, there's a lot 
in Romans 12. I hope Pastor Ty does a whole series on Romans 12 sometimes because there's so much to it. And we're just going to be like skimming the surface today. But I hope that there's something that you'll grab in your heart that'll cause you to say, I want to go find out a little bit more or dig a little bit deeper about what that means. That it just kind of whets your appetite a little bit for Romans chapter 12. And so, and also a quick reminder, I want to remind you that we are saved by grace. Ephesians 2, chapter 8 through, or verse 8 through 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one will boast. So as we read through Romans 12, it's just a reminder that this isn't, this isn't about works. It's not about earning. It's not about achieving. It's about being a fully devoted follower of Jesus. So, I have to tell you guys before we get started, though, my favorite genre of movie is sports movies. I love them. I love all the sports movie. My favorite movie of all time is Remember the Titans. I could watch it over and over and over. I love the comeback stories. I love the underdog stories. I love, I just, I love everything about sports movies. And I love that so many of them are true stories. It's so cool. Um, But my favorite part of all the sports movies are the the coaches talks with the team, whether it's in the locker room or at halftime, or maybe they've like called a timeout and they brought everybody in for a huddle. And that those times where the coach fires them up and pumps them up and then sends them back out and then they go win the game and all the things, you know, I love that part. And that's what I hope today feels like is that that locker room moment. So here we are, we're in the locker room. It smells better here though, thank thank you. fortunately, but we're in the locker room. We're not in the bleachers. And our coach says, bring it in, huddle up. Let's get ready. And that's where we're going to pick up. All right. So Romans chapter 12, verse one, I appeal to you, therefore brothers, by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. In the Old Testament, an animal sacrifice was an offering made as an act of obedience, an act of surrender, an act of worship, and it was also used as a payment for the forgiveness of sins. And we know, because the Bible tells us, that the wages of sin is death. And so there had to be something that could pay the price for sin. But we know that Jesus came and became the perfect sacrifice and died on the cross to make that payment for our sin. And so now instead of an animal that we present to God as a sacrifice, what, there's, what Paul is saying in Romans chapter 1 is now we present ourselves as a living, that's an important part of the verse, a living <laughs> sacrifice, a living sacrifice in how we worship, a living sacrifice in how we obey, a living sacrifice in how we live surrendered, that because of all of this, it says by the mercies of God, which is saying because of all that God's done for us, as Christ followers, here's a few of those things, and the list is long. We don't have time to read the whole thing today, the Bible, right? But the list is long, okay? These are just a few. We're forgiven, we're adopted into the family of God, We live under grace and not the law. We are sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit. We are in right standing with God. We know that nothing can separate us from the love of God. We have the promise of eternity. 
and we didn't do anything to earn it or deserve it. And it was a free gift to us. So because of all of that, Paul says, now we're going to be a living sacrifice. We're going to go all in for Jesus in how we live our life. And like I said, with obedience. In the Old Testament, sacrifice was important, but obedience from the heart was still the most important part. They didn't want, him to want somebody to just go through the ritual of the sacrifice. It was the obedience from the heart part that mattered the most to God because God cares about our heart. He wants our heart. And so the obedience from the heart part is so important when we think about living out, being a living sacrifice. And then there's the surrender piece. Surrender is saying, I give up all of me. I'm fully surrendered to what you want, God. Above all else, you can have all of me. And I'm going to trust you. I'm going to give up my will, my desire for yours. As a living sacrifice, I'm fully surrendered. And then there's worship. We were made to worship. Did you guys know that? We are, we are people who were made in the image of God and we were made to worship. But the problem with that is we're going to worship something. So we have to pay attention to make sure that what we're worshiping is the right thing, the right person, which would be God, right? And we can pay attention to that because of the things that we fix our eyes on, where our attention is, what are we giving our focus to? All of that matters so much because we've got to make sure that God is getting that first place in our heart as our worship. He gets first place. Worship is so much more than singing three songs on a Sunday morning. Worship is a lifestyle. We live out getting God to have that first place spot in our heart. So may we present our lives as a living, everybody say living. living. I'm a kids church pastor, so y'all may get to do that more. <laughs> living, we've been given this new life and holy because we are set apart an acceptable sacrifice as we die daily to our flesh, as we pick up our cross, and as we become fully devoted followers of Jesus. Lord, take my life. I'm all in. You can have all of me. I love you more than I love anything else. I'm going all in as a living sacrifice for you. All right, verse two. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. I love that it talks about knowing the will of God for our life. Um, we all want to know God's will for our life, right? Um, but when I was reading this verse, I couldn't help but think about my son and how I want my, my will in so many ways for his life is this. I don't want him to be conformed to the patterns of the world. I don't want to see him live a life where he becomes someone who fits in with all the other things. I want him to be transformed and changed by the renewing of his mind so that he can live out the purpose that God has on his life. And if I want that for my son, how much more can we see that that's God's will for us too, right? It makes sense not to conform, but to be transformed, to change by the renewing of our mind. Everything in our life, everything around us, is going to try to want us to conform. It just is what it is. A lot of time, the thing that wants me to conform lives in my back pocket. 
It's so easy to, to start scrolling and see places where I feel like I don't know if I fit or I'm not good enough there or that I need to be more like so-and-so or the, all the things around us that cause us to feel like we have to live a certain way or do a certain thing to get achieve a certain way to conform to what the world says is acceptable. But this says that we're not to conform to be like the world, but we're to be transformed by the renewing of our mind, which comes from knowing God and letting him transform the way that we think, to transform our thoughts, to think the way that he thinks, to see things the way that he sees them. And that comes from knowing him and knowing his word. We've got to know God's truth and we've got to let it transform us into being the people he's called us to be. It's not enough to just know the gospel and it's not enough to just know about God. James tells us that even the demons know about God and tremble. They believe and shudder. We have to be transformed by the gospel and let God impact every area of our life so that now we can live it out. I heard an illustration a long time ago about the difference between a thermometer and a thermostat. A, thermos, a thermometer is what you check to see what the temperature is of something, right? The temperature of the room. And it conforms to whatever that temperature is. If it's 70 degrees, then it says, and it becomes 70 degrees. But a thermostat, I have to be real careful because I get the words mixed up. A thermostat actually changes the temperature in the room. You set it on something and now it can affect the whole atmosphere, the whole environment. And when we let God transform us, we can become more of a thermostat and not be a thermometer. We can change the culture and the environment and the atmosphere around us. The people see the difference in us because of how God has changed us and transformed the way that we think to now we can live out being a thermostat for him and for the people around us. Verse three, for by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. It says to not think of yourself more highly than you ought to. And you may say, but I see, I don't like anything of myself. And I think that's dangerous too. The key to an honest self-assessment is knowing our identity in Christ. It's knowing who God says that you are, and it's being completely dependent on him to help you be the person that he says that you are, because all too often we think that we can do it on our own or that we're enough on our own. And the truth is that we are nothing without him, and we have to know who it is that we play for. I told you I love sports movies, and one of my favorites is Miracle, the story about the miracle on the ice the 1980 USA hockey team um, that was coached by Herb Brooks. And there's this one scene in the movie that I just love so much. And what happened is Herb's the coach of this, this hockey team and he brought players in from all over. They were college hockey team players and amateurs and all the stuff. They were one of the youngest teams ever, but they all kind of sort of thought that they were something right? Like that they kind of were a big deal. And Herb coached them and did all of these things. And he would, along the way, he would ask them, he would look at one of them as they were practicing or doing something. He'd say, Hey, what's your name? 
And they would say their name, and he'd say, where are you from? And he'd say where they were from. And then he'd say, who do you play for? And the player would name the college that they played for or the amateur league that they played for. And say, okay. And they'd go back to practice. And they did this all along throughout the movie. And then there's this one game. And they play this game, and no one's heart was in it. They were all doing their own thing. They weren't working together as a team. They were real distracted by the girls in the stands and all the things. And so after the game's over, they tied. And it wasn't like an Olympic game, so it wasn't like this huge, big deal. It was kind of just a scrimmage or whatever. And um, Herb Brooks looked at his assistant coach, and he said, get a whistle. And so the coach gets a whistle, and they line the players up on the baseline or whatever it's called in hockey. I don't know. And they line them up, and they start to run. And so the Herb would say, send them, and he'd blow the whistle. And they'd go. And then he'd say, again, and they would go. He'd say, again, and they would go. And this goes on for a long time. And everybody begins to look at Herb, and they're like, Are you, don't hurt him or kill him. Like, you're, this is getting serious. Like, and the guys can barely breathe, and they're getting tired. And at one point, Herb Brooks says, I want you guys to remember that the name on the front of the jersey is more important than the name on the back. And finally, they ran, and they ran, and they ran. And they're all, like, bent over, and they're trying to breathe. And this one guy stands up. And he says, I'm Mike Rosioni from Winthrop, Massachusetts. And Herb Brooks said, who do you play for? And he's trying to breathe. He said, I play for the United States of America. And he said, practice adjourned. You can go to the locker room. And it was good. But it was, it was because... They had been playing for themselves and in that they were relying on their own ability and the things that they brought to the table, forgetting that the team on the back of the jersey meant a lot more than who they did as an individual player. And we also need to know who we play for. It's not about who we are as an individual. It's about knowing our identity in Christ and being Godfident in who he's called us to be and walking that out. We've got to know who we are in him. All right, we're going to move on to verse four. For as in one body, we have many members and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. I want to read that same passage of scripture starting in verse six in the New Living Translation, just because some of the words are easier for me to understand. Okay. Verse six, in his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. 
If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. If you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. If your gift is loving on and teaching kids, sign up to help in CJ Kids Church. <laughs> I don't know where that one came from. That's weird. The part about this that I love so much is that God truly has given each one of us different gifts. But it takes everybody, just like a body. It compares our gifts to a body, and we need all of our body to work the way that it's supposed to work for us to do what we're supposed to do, much like a team. There's no I in team, which means we need each other. We need to use our gifts to value the gifts that God's given us. Don't let your gifts go to waste, but we also need to value and appreciate the gifts in other people because we, we need each other. At the end of the day, we need each other. We need each other in a local church body like this. Y'all think I'm kidding about kids church. We need you. But we need each other in the big C church too, to be the body, to tell people about Jesus. And we also may be asking, but CG, but like, how do I even know? I don't even know what my gifts are. I don't know what gifts God gave me. I'm gonna give you something that Pastor Ty says all the time, and I hope that this will kind of help you figure out what kind of gifts you may have. Pastor Ty says, if you love it, you'll do it. If you hate it, you'll change it. And if you cry over it, you'll be a part of healing it. And I think that's such an important thing when it comes to figuring out what are you called to do? What are your gifts? What does your heart feel? What tugs at your heartstrings? Because there's a really good chance that that has something to do with the gifts and talents and abilities that God's given you. Now, what are you doing with those gifts? Use them. Be a part, participate in what God's asked you to do. Verse nine, let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil and hold fast to what is good. Abhor, looking up this word, it means to dislike or to have a horror of. I'll just go ahead and say it, to hate something. It doesn't say to hate the person, but it says to abhor what is evil, right? I was thinking about what are some things that abhor, that I abhor. I was like, that was easy, snakes, hate them. I do not like snakes. I don't wanna see them. I don't wanna get close to them. I don't, I'm definitely not gonna touch one. Ever since I was little, living, living in the country, we'd go to leave the house and my mom would always say, watch for snakes. And so it was, we would, outside, it was like we were doing stuff, but we also always were aware and keeping an eye out for snakes. If I go to the zoo, I'm not going to the snake exhibit. Like, I don't know why you crazy people would want to. That's, that's wild. There's a piece of glass, but still, I don't want to have anything to do with snakes. I'm not letting them close to me. We need to feel the same way when it comes to evil in our world today. We need to have a, I'm going to keep an eye out for it, but I'm not getting close to it. I'm not touching it. I'm not looking at it. I'm not listening to it. I abhor what is evil. I think it's important. Verse 10, love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another. I love that part, to outdo one another. We don't always try to do that when it comes to showing love or honoring we want, we want somebody else to outdo us. But it says to outdo one another in showing honor. 
Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit and serve the Lord. This is a great reminder of something that we say around here all the time, that we're going to give God our very best. Oh, my goodness, the kiddos do better than that. We give God our very best. That's right, which means we're not going to be lazy. We're, we're going to work hard, and we're going to serve the Lord enthusiastically. We give God our best. Verse 12, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, and be constant in prayer. Here are three Ps that you can write on your mirror, put it on your phone as a screenshot or something. Three things that you can remember that we're going to need almost daily. Probably not almost. We need daily. To praise because we can rejoice in the hope of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We can be patient in tribulation. Not our favorite word, right? But, the, but did y'all know that patience is a fruit of the Spirit? And the cool part about patience being a fruit of the Spirit means that as long as we stay connected to the vine, patience gets produced in us. It's not something we have to muster up or work out on our own or figure out on our own. We can be patient as long as we just stay connected to the vine. We produce patience as a fruit. And then to pray and to keep on praying. We're going to praise, we're going to be patient, and we're going to pray. And then into verse 13, contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. In studying, this part was the part that really stuck out to me. The part about rejoice with those who rejoice. Maybe this is just me, but sometimes it's a lot easier for me to weep with those who weep than to celebrate when something goes right in somebody else's life. Maybe something I was believing for or hoping for and then to see God do something in somebody's life. But it says right here that we get to rejoice with those who rejoice. And what a gift to somebody to celebrate with them. And when somebody else wins, we all win. You remember that? Because we're all part of the same team. And so we can rejoice when our teammate wins, we can rejoice when our brother or sister in Christ wins because we win too. And then verse 16, live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. My the New Living Translation says, don't think you know it all. Don't elbow your husbands. That was rude. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. The honorable word. Honor means to do what's right, to be honest, right? At JCA, we have these declarations. We have this long list of things that we teach the kids to say, and we say part of it, and they repeat. And this is one of our declarations. We say, always, and the kids say, do what's right. Be honorable. Because we want to teach them that they can be people who stand up and do the right thing even when it's hard. They can stand up and do what's right even when everybody else is doing the wrong thing. And it's not because there's something special, but they can be honorable and be honest and do what's right because they are honorable. 
And a lot of times we think that we're going to give honor when somebody deserves it, when they've earned honor from us. But we don't give out honor because somebody else is honorable. We can honor because we're honorable. And we can be honorable. And it says right here in that, the end of that verse to do what is honorable in the sight of all because you're honorable. Verse 18, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. I love this verse, and it's just a little bitty snippet in here in the middle of all the other things when it says to do your part. We want peace, right? And a lot of times we're like, well, I would live in peace with so-and-so if they would do their part to live in peace with me. But it doesn't say anything about what the other person's supposed to do. It just says to do your part, to live in peace. And that's something that we can't control because we can't control what the other person's going to do. We can't control if somebody else is going to live in peace towards us, but we can choose to control for us to live in peace with those around us. Verse 19, beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God for it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, God's kingdom is so upside down. It's a different way of thinking than the world's. It's backwards. It's to the contrary. If your enemy is hungry, you feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not overcome, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. In playing in a sport, you want to know how to win, right? You want to win. I hope. We're not just playing just to play or for everybody to get a trophy. Like we want to win, right? And when we read about this, this kind of tells us what a win looks like as a Christ follower, as a follower of Jesus. The world would want to tell us that a win looks like paying our enemy back. The win would look like being right, fighting to be right. The world would tell us that to win is to win an argument, to repay, to show up and say, well, I'll show you, right? But according to God's way, a win for God in the kingdom of God, a win is to love, a win is to serve, a win is to be compassionate, a win is to live in peace, to do your part to live in peace, to be humble and to conquer evil by doing good. That's a win. And that is Romans 12. How about that? Y'all did the whole chapter today. I know it's a lot. It's a whole lot. And you may be thinking, man, I have CG, thanks a lot. Like, where do I even start? Like, there was a whole lot. We were all over the place. There were so many things that we talked about and that we covered today. And that's sometimes how I feel too, like following Jesus and being a, a Christ follower is like, how am, I gonna, how am I gonna do all of this? How am I gonna make it happen? But I know that coaches are game changers. A good coach can change everything for a player, can change everything for their team. They have high expectations, but they believe in their team and they can pull things out of them. It's amazing what a good coach can do. And we as Christ followers 
have the greatest coach in our Father in heaven. And he said that he was sending us a counselor and a helper and a coach in the Holy Spirit who's with us. And the Bible says that he promises to never leave us or forsake us, which means that as we walk this out as fully devoted followers of Jesus, that he's gonna be there to help coach us and direct us and pick us up when we fall. And you know, Holy Spirit is like that, like a coach where he like pulls you in and puts his arm around you and says, hey, we can do better. Like, come on, let's try a little bit. And that's the kind of coach that we have in God. And because he loves us so much. We have the best coach. We're running a race. This is a, the big game. This is it. It's time for us to go all in as fully devoted followers of Jesus. Before we close out today, if you're in the room and you would say, CG, I, I've never had the opportunity to become a fully devoted follower of Jesus. Maybe I've heard about God, I've heard people talk about him, or I've had questions. But man, today I would really like to, to know more about what it means to become a fully devoted follower of Jesus. I'd like to maybe make a decision to follow Jesus with my life, to be fully surrendered to him. I would love to pray with you. And if that's you, I'm gonna be, as soon as we sing this, this last song, I'm gonna walk out to the Jesus sign out by the light bulbs and I would love to talk to you. I'd love to pray with you. You can just grab your stuff and meet me out there. I would love to talk to you. But for the rest of us in the room, maybe we've been here, we've known about Jesus, maybe we've made a decision to follow Jesus, but we've been sitting in the bleachers. And it's time for us to get off the bleachers, to get off the bench and get in the game and go all in as a living sacrifice for Jesus, to give him our all in how we obey and how we surrender and in how we worship. And we're gonna have the chance to do that right now. I'm gonna invite you guys all to stand to your feet. I'm gonna encourage you not to sneak out um, unless you just absolutely have to because we're gonna sing one more worship song, that's it. Y'all have got hours till the game, you're good, okay? We're gonna sing one more worship song and it's, we're gonna sing about the heart of worship, coming back to the heart of worship. God, I'm gonna bring you more than a song. I'm gonna bring you my heart. And this is a moment, whatever God maybe tugged on your heart about this morning, then this is an opportunity for you to talk to him about now. Say, God, I don't wanna be a fan. I'm gonna be a follower. Would y'all pray with me? Lord, I just thank you again for today. And God, thank you for all that you are in our life. You are an incredible coach. Thank you for guiding us and directing us. Lord, I thank you for um, helping us to truly live out being a fully devoted follower of you. Forgive us for all the times that we've missed it. Guide us and direct us, show us, live big in us, God. We wanna go all in for you. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Before we worship, we're gonna do something. Y'all may think I'm silly, but I've got the mic today, so that's where we're at, all right? I want everybody to put your hands in. We've had our locker room speech. We've heard everything that our coach had to tell us today. And now we have an opportunity to go all in for Jesus. And we're gonna break out. We're gonna, in just a second, we're gonna say Jesus on three, but you guys, there's a bunch of us in the room and it better be loud. It better be proud. You better mean it. No, no sitting on the bleachers for this one. We're part of the game, all right? So here we go. 
Jesus on three. One, y'all don't let me down. Two, three, Jesus. Let's worship.